As you do so, be a help to you, help to me to know that you're following where I'm going. Uh, turn to page uh, 1227 and uh, first letter of John, chapter 4 and verse 7. Page 1227. I think most people are there. Let's, let's pray and ask God's help. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your amazing love for us in and through the Lord Jesus. And we pray that as we come to look at your word, we may understand that afresh for ourselves this morning. That we may indeed not only know that love, but that love that gives us life in this life and life in eternity. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The words, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Those words can be found on uh, many war graves and on many war memorials around the world. They're words that tell us why we should stop and remember today of all days. We remember those who have died, those who continue to die in the field of battle. These words remind us that uh, theirs is the greatest love, the greatest act of love. How did that verse begin? Greater love has no one. No greater love. And it's also a voluntary act of love that he or she lay down their life for their friends. And it's an act of love that demands a response, isn't it? That is why uh, we wear the poppies today. We remember that they died for our peace and freedom. Peace and freedom that we all too readily take for granted in our world, in this country particularly today. And so the least is that we can do is show our gratitude and respect on a day like this. Facing death, be it that our own or that of others, uh, is never an easy prospect, is it? As an ex-serviceman, I spent uh, 11 years in the Royal Navy and I remember being uh, deployed off to the former Yugoslavia in the early 1990s. For us, the prospect of war and conflict was part and parcel of being in the armed forces. We trained for it and we knew it would come. But you know, when the prospect of death comes right in front of you, uh, even the sort of gung-ho young sailors, uh, well, they begin to take a breath, a deep breath, because death is never a pleasant prospect. Speaking at a conference when he was still head of the army, the recently uh, retired General Sir Richard Dannett said these words. He said, in my business, asking people to risk their lives is part of the job. But doing so without giving them the chance to understand that there is life after death It's something of a betrayal. In speaking as he did, uh, General Dannett was pointing to a deeper meaning and deeper reality that lies behind that sentence that is on so many gravestones and war memorials. Because those are the words that Jesus spoke the night before he himself was arrested, or the night on which he was arrested, but the night before he was executed on a cross. They were words through which he pointed out what was happening 
when he was being crucified. And the significance of the words that he spoke help us all to face death. Indeed, they give us hope in the face of death because we'll all face death, our own, those of other people, even those of our service men and women. And it can be a very hopeless time. So I'd like to look at that verse together through the lens, if you like, of uh, 1 John chapter 4 this morning, just to understand a bit more of what Jesus was saying when he spoke them. And we're going to return to those two headings that I highlighted about our service personnel, the greatest act of love and the voluntary act of love. First, the greatest act of love. Greater love has no one. Greater love has no one. To love the way that they have loved, that is the greatest way to love, isn't it? Because it puts other interests before their own. It's the kind of love that we've been hearing about as people have given testimony this last week to those that have died in Afghanistan these past few days. It's the kind of love that that when it goes into action, into battle, lays no limit on what it's going to do what it's prepared to do for the sake of those around them and those back home. It's the kind of love that is ready and willing to give everything, even life itself. It's that kind of love that has the residence of Wooten Bassett. Most of us probably never knew where Wooten Bassett was until those folks started turning out. And as they line the streets every time, a uh, a fallen woman or man returns home from the field of battle. They turn out in all weathers, time and again. That is the kind of love they were remembering. That is the kind of love that you and I remember today. Many people in times of crisis, even in times of war, doubt the love of God. They blame him for what's happened. Maybe you're in that situation today. You blame God for what's happened to you and you turn away from him. Maybe some here today who who doubt whether God really does love them. But these words of Jesus and the explanation in John's letter tell a very different story of God's love. John begins by telling those he's writing to and of course to us today that they are to love one another because love comes from God. Just look down with me to verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. But more than that, he goes on, verse 8, whoever does not know love does not know God because God is love. And then just in case we haven't got the picture He continues, verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. If we want to know that God exists, if we want to know that God loves us, there's no greater proof than actually the fact that he stepped into the world 2,000 years ago. God comes in person to say, I love you. And the reason why Jesus came into the world? Well, to give us life. 
Did you see? He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That's sort of John shorthand for eternal life. That means having life now in all its fullness, living in relationship with God, knowing him personally now, living the life that God intends us to live, and also having life in the future, in eternity in heaven with him. Isn't that a great message for today of all days, Remembrance Sunday? To hear that there is life that can be better than what we often experience. And life in eternity. Isn't that a vital message as we mourn the loss of others? And isn't it a vital message too for us as we face our own death, as we surely will, one day? Because you see, it tells us that We need to have Jesus, to have life in his name now, in order to live life now and enjoy life in eternity when we die. You may have questions as to why that is. John thankfully gives us the answer in verse 10. He says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Here we see the true depth of God's love because it reveals first and foremost that you and I have got a problem. But having told us the problem, it also reveals that Jesus came to provide the solution. The problem is that none of us love God as we should do. God loves us, but as John tells us, we don't love him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And of course we may say we love God, but can any of us say that honestly we have loved God as we should, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength? We cannot. None of us can. We are all rebels at heart, rejecting God. But nevertheless, God has taken action to solve that situation. And the solution that he provides is mind-blowing. The solution is that Jesus, his son, comes into the world as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus came to die for our sins, to pay the penalty for the ways that you and I rebel against God. The ways that we've said to God, shove off God. That's the S in sin. Shove off God. I'm in charge. That's the I. I want to live my life my way. And no. No to God's rules. My rules are best. My life, my way. And you know, the Bible tells us that there are serious consequences to our sin. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says this. Just as man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. It goes on, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but indeed to bring that salvation to conclusion. And so, what we need to remember is that as Jesus was dying on that hill 2,000 years ago, as he died, he paid the price for yours and my sin to set us right with God, to cancel the debt that you and I have before God the result is that we can now live as God intended us to live 
to live through Jesus. We can enjoy, yes, life now in that personal, one-to-one relationship with God. Peace restored between us. Friendship available now and for eternity when we die in heaven. So in heaven, we rejoice with him rather than dwelling eternity in hell. That is life itself. And so as we see the sacrifices of our service men and women today, they give us a glimpse of God's love for us, shown in the sacrifice that Jesus paid. Greater love has no one than this, do they? I mentioned earlier my deployment to the former Yugoslavia. Uh, those of you that haven't looked at a map for a while will know that, won't know perhaps that Yugoslavia no longer exists. You won't find it. Uh, and uh, uh, the deployment that I went on was aimed at ending the bloodshed in that region. People were fighting against neighbours, killing neighbours. There was war, there was bloodshed. And of course we've been reminded this again this last week, haven't we? as the leader of the Bosnian Serbs, Radovan Karadzic, was put on trial at The Hague for war crimes. And the great news is, for the people of that region, is that peace and freedom have been restored. Enemies are now friends again. And although my part was very minor, uh, I have a medal, I'm wearing it this morning. It's a reminder, because as I look at the medal... I see engraved on the back of it these words. It says, in the service of peace and freedom. I look at the medal and it reminds me that peace and freedom is theirs to enjoy now. And John here, as he writes to us through these words, he says, look at the cross of Christ to see that Jesus has brought us relationship with God. That relationship with God can be restored here and now. We can have peace and freedom from the consequences of sin now and eternity. This, you see, is why Jesus' greatest act of love is so important today of all days, isn't it? When we remember those who have died or when we face death ourselves. Because it's only... Jesus, who can help us face death with any confidence at all. Because it means that we can approach God with confidence, knowing that our sin, our rebellion against God, has been atoned for. Washed away. The slate wiped clean, not with water, but by his blood shed on the cross. You see, General Dannett was right, wasn't he? We all need to know that there is life after death, and how to be prepared so that we have life in heaven rather than life in hell. And John here is saying, look, actually, the only way, the only preparation that we can make is in Jesus. But before I ask the question that this passage begs of all of us about whether we have prepared rightly for death, let me just focus for a moment on the second part of Jesus' words. Greater love has no one than this, that he or she lay down his or her life for his friends. You see, that reminds us that it's a voluntary act of love, isn't it? They lay down their lives for their friends. Of course, today we remember some who died involuntarily. Some of you will remember being members of the armed forces as part of national service. 
even as part of conscription. You may have had no choice, yet many did join up volunteering. Today, all are volunteers. Those who have died, those who have been injured this week are all volunteers, laying down their lives willingly to bring us peace and freedom, to bring the people in Afghanistan peace and freedom. I'm reminded of uh, a memorial uh, around the world. It's on the border between India and, Bos- in India and Burma. And uh, it's a war memorial to uh, the members of the Allied uh, Second Division that fought against the Japanese 15th Army. And uh, as they pressed on in, they were repulsed by the Allied divisions and many, many died. This war memorial that was set up to remember the dead at Kohima says this. When you go home, tell them of us and say, for their tomorrow, we gave our today. That is what those people have done this week. They have given their tomorrow for our today. A voluntary act of love, of self-sacrifice. And when we again look at Jesus' great act of love, we see that his was voluntary also. Verse 9, you can see that it was a decision that he, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, chose to make. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only Son. Jesus came on a rescue mission voluntarily. But amazingly enough, not for those who loved him, but for those who are his enemies. Yes, you see that that is the reality. Until we have taken hold of what Jesus has done on the cross, we are his enemies. Not loving him. Not knowing life through him. Uh, John in his Gospel uh, records numerous times uh, the sayings of Jesus about how he said he had come voluntarily. And of course, as, as God, Jesus needn't have died. He needn't have gone onto a cross and died. He could quite easily have stepped off it. But he chose to endure the horrors of the cross because he knew it was the only way to atone for our sin, to mean that you and I did not have to face eternity in hell. You may know those uh, classic words from John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not be cut off from God in this life and cut off from him in eternity in hell, but instead have eternal life. In John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18, Jesus says this, he says, The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. Do you see the confidence in Jesus? He knows he's going to die, but he will be raised again. Verse 18, no one takes it away from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. See, it shows us, doesn't it, how unique Jesus' act of love is. It's voluntary, and it's for those who did not love him at all. I wonder if you've heard of the exploits of Lance Corporal Croucher. He uh, is and still is in the Royal Marines, and uh, he and his company were out in Afghanistan, And one day they were out uh, looking for a bomb factory. And uh, as they were busy searching for it, he suddenly heard a noise. A noise that meant that it could only be that he had set off 
a booby-trapped mine. He knew that he had seconds to decide what to do. On the one hand, he could sacrifice his own life, and on the other hand, he could save it. In the one hand, he could stay there and take the force of the mine. On the other hand, he could jump away and leave his colleagues to face it too. And in his own words, he explains that. He said, it was a case of having four of us, himself and three other colleagues, as fatalities or as badly wounded people, or just one, himself. He chose the route of sacrifice. He dived on the ground, rolled over, put his backpack on top of the mine in order to protect himself and those who were with him to shield them from the blast. His act saved himself and saved his colleagues and he was awarded the George Cross in recognition. Jesus, by contrast, did nothing to deserve being crucified, did nothing to deserve being killed on a cross. He didn't die to save his colleagues but his enemies. He took the full force, not of a mine, but of God's wrath, God's righteous anger against our sin. And he took the full force of it to shield us from it so that we don't have to face eternity in hell. If you like, to bring it down to base level, Jesus took the rap for you and for me. And then to prove that he'd done that, God raised him to life three days later. So today we remember and we respond to the great acts and the voluntary acts of love of our servicemen and women who have died for us. We do so with profound gratitude and we must never forget what they have done for us. But as we do that, we cannot remember their deaths without remembering the act of Jesus. Because without his death, Remembrance Sunday is a day of no hope at all. It's a day of depression and sorrow as to what lies ahead. It is awful. No confidence before God. It's very bleak. And so how are we going to respond to Jesus' act of love? Two ways, I think, that John tells us here. The first must surely be to love Jesus back, mustn't it? That's what we didn't do. That is what brought the enmity and has brought the enmity between us and God. And John tells us in verses 13 to 16 what that will look like. So verse 13, it's a life that's lived out in relationship with God, not in rebellion against him. And it's far more personal than any of us could imagine. Do you see that? We live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. God comes to live in us. You know, uh, for so long I thought that God was up there and I was down here. I could not understand how the two of us could be brought together. And yet the truth is that God wants a relationship with you and me desperately. In fact, so much that he came to die for it. And that is a truth that I came to realise myself personally, age 19. I was in the Royal Navy at the time. And I came to know that God was not up there and I'm down here. But I came to know that relationship with him. Up close and personal. I mean, it can't be more personal than that, can it? Verse 13, God coming to live in you and me. That is what he promises. 
And John says, look, if, if, if you've any doubts, John points to his first readers and to us. He says, verse 14, we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Saviour of the world. John knew him. John touched him. John spent time with him. He knows that Jesus is your Saviour and mine. But I wonder if we know that for ourselves yet this morning. Whether you know Jesus as your Saviour. And how did they accept Jesus' rescue? How can you and I enjoy that relationship that uh, God, and God is offering us in Jesus? Verse 15, simply by acknowledging who Jesus is. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. Do you see that? It's very simply to acknowledge who Jesus is, that he is the Lord God, the one who has the right to rule over us, to call the shots in our lives, and to acknowledge what Jesus has done for us, to rely on what Jesus has done. Do you see how our paragraph ends? Verse 16, And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. Great reminder for any of us that it's, we cannot... We cannot rely on ourselves, for we of ourselves cannot get ourselves into right relationship with God. We must rely on Jesus alone. It's a lesson for us who are Christians here this morning that we cannot, we cannot keep on, we cannot get it right with God by what we do. We need to keep returning to the cross time and again. We aren't right with God because we come to church, because we read the Bible, because we pray. No, we must rely on what Jesus has done for us. So, as I close, I wonder who here needs to do business with God this morning to end their rebellion, enjoy that relationship by receiving his forgiveness. Maybe some here this morning who have never heard the message that we've been looking at this morning, never known that there is a relationship that God is offering them, us. Perhaps you've never acknowledged that there is a problem between you and God. And seeing that Jesus provides a solution as our saviour. Well, today would be a great day, wouldn't it? To love Jesus. To turn to him. Acknowledge who he is. And live for him. There may be some of us here today who perhaps have started out the Christian life, but flagging a bit. Perhaps you've just wandered away. You've returned to living your own way and living not in relationship with Jesus but in estrangement from him. Today would be a great day to return, to make a fresh start, to enjoy that relationship once again with God through Jesus, to enjoy life in all its fullness through Jesus, now and eternity. And then there may be still others of us, well, there will be still others of us here this morning, who know that love, who have responded to that love and who are rejoicing in it here this morning. Well, that must surely be what we must go on doing, isn't it? And I hope and pray that you have thanked him for it and continue to thank him daily, moment by moment. But beyond that of loving Jesus back again, there's another response. We see it in verses 11 and 12 and it's this, we are to love others. Do you see that? Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. 
You see, this is the second response of the person who truly loves Jesus, isn't it? We love others in the way that Jesus has loved us. That doesn't just mean loving the lovely, loving the people in our little clique in church. It means loving all as our brothers and sisters in Christ. It means loving those people who we might not necessarily be drawn to, perhaps because of their age, they're much older than us or much younger than us. Perhaps because of their background, their hobbies, their looks. No, we need to set aside our differences and love one another. Jesus has commanded us to to love as he loved us. Do you remember our first reading? John 15, verse 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And we ended that uh, reading as well. Verse 17. This is my command, love each other. And if Jesus loved his enemies so much that he would die for them, what does that say about the love that we are to show to one another? You may want to look around you in the next hymn and think about how am I loving my brother or my sister sitting near me? Am I loving them genuinely? Do I know them? Do I love them? And the reason why our love one for another is so important is not just because we're a holy, lovely huddle. Do you see... Do you see the reason why? It's because it reveals the love of God to the world. Do you see that? Verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So you see, that means that our our Christian love one for another is an integral part of our witness to the world around us that doesn't know Jesus, of God's love for them through Jesus. If you like, we should be an audio-visual presentation. This morning, Andrew gave us Uh, audio on the screen and visual, uh, sorry, audio from himself and visual on the screen to do with the way that Vision 2010 is going. Well, so our lives should be an audio-visual presentation of God's love. But more than that, it should say to the world, look, these Christians, they love each other. There must be something in their message about a God who loves me. Our love for one another shows God's love in action. And it proves that it's real. So today, as we uh, respond to the death of those who have died for us in battle, as we remember their great and voluntary acts of love, their deaths remind us all that, that we all will die one day. And it's a reminder, isn't it, to make sure that we have responded to Jesus' greatest and voluntary act of love by loving him, by loving one another, and by pointing others to him. We're going to spend a moment of quiet now. An opportunity for us to consider how we have responded to the love that Jesus has shown us. It may be that we want to love him back for the first time. It may be that we want to return to him. It may well be that we want to Ask God to help us to love our brothers and sisters.
O gracious and loving God, we thank you and we praise you that you have shown us without any doubt that you love us in and through sending your Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die for us. Forgive us for not loving you as we should. Forgive us for not loving one another as we should. And please, we pray, may these words we have heard today, may they challenge us not only to love you with all our hearts, but to love one another and to share that love with the world that needs to know you. For we ask it, Jesus, in your name and for your glory. Amen.